Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now welcome to super movie brothers let's start the show Welcome to Super Movie Brothers. I'm your host, Super Movie Brother Dave. I'm your host, Super Movie Brother Jay. Got a packed show for you this time around. This is episode 215. We took the week off last week to ta- to participate in the podcast Blackout. Uh, that is meant to drum up awareness for equal rights for the black community. I know that I had a very brief statement. I, I kind of wanted to go more and I had to stop myself because my original statement was going to be close to about 10 minutes. And it was 10 minutes of anger. And I don't want to be adding more anger. Even though I am angry over what is going on in our country, I, I didn't want to add any more fuel. And maybe, and may, maybe that's wrong. Maybe I should be meeting this, this uh, situation. I, I don't even want to call it a situation. That, that's, that's undermining it. This gross injustice that's going on in our society currently uh, with anger. Maybe that is the mm-hmm. way it, it should have been met. Um, but well, Everybody's going to you know, take it a different way and perceive stuff a different way as well. And I think for us, um, I think the fact that everybody understands that we are supporting and, you know, trying to do our part, but at the same time, it's, it's, you know, it's not so much our words that need to be heard. It's, it's, it's theirs, you know, right now, especially. So, you know, just kind of learn as much as you can, keep your ears open be empathetic and vote, and vote. vote sure. motherfucker sure, vote. Of god yeah. damn it uh that was one of the things that i that i took away from uh, you know at, at my most angriest point during all of this um where you know i am still angry but like at my most angry and rage-filled point that i was it was it was tuesday here in in pennsylvania and it was also our election day here in pennsylvania so i i literally had an outlet to go do something about my anger that day. I got to get up and go to the high school down the street and I got to vote. Uh, and I, and I, it, so it, it was actually nice to, to be angry about something and, and physically be able to go and do something about it, you know, more so than just sitting there and stewing in my anger because you and i don't live in a big city we don't live um we're, we're outside the big city and stuff like that but there's not really protests and stuff around here there's uh, a few things here and there pockets and stuff but they've all I been think every town had a minor. day i know for yeah. a fact around here um yeah you so know, it's it's been it's been supported it's it's been recognized it's um obviously it has its protesters and 
you know, and then protesters against the protesters. I mean, it's it's gotten. I just wish a lot of people just really took the time to listen and understand. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of just jumping to conclusions and being narrow-minded. Moving on, Jay. Uh, we got a bunch of other stuff to talk about. We have news to go over, some brief news stories. We also got a trailer park coming down the pike here for Bill and Ted. Mm-hmm. And then we also have the 15-year anniversary of Batman Begins. And we're going to have an interesting discussion because more so than talking about the film Batman Begins, Jay, we're going to talk about one of our favorite topics. We did a top five on it a long time ago. Top five movies never made. Uh, We're going to discuss all of the start and stopped projects that occurred between the year of 1997 after the release of Batman and Robin that led to Christopher Nolan ultimately getting to take the oh, reins yeah. and there's and, a lot more than Batman. people think and um but we're going to briefly go over them because obviously this is something that we could <laughs> we could talk at length about endlessly and, about. endlessly about yes so but before we get into all of that jay how you been man it's been about two weeks since you and i got together to to talk uh, yeah I did live stream for The Cure, so I know this is very belated, but congratulations to the Epic Film Guys and everybody who was involved in live stream for The Cure because they raised over $15,000, I believe it was $16,000 plus uh, for cancer research. It all went to the Cancer Research Fund, so yes. uh, congratulations, big congratulations to them. I, it's been that long since we've been on. Uh, you can actually check the segments out that I was in over on Epic Film Guys' YouTube page. Uh, so there, I, I was in two segments. There we did a, we did a movie cocktail, and we did the Podley Weds game without Justin Esquivez, which was, <laughs> which was all these questions were it's, tailored look, for, it, for it Justin still, to be there. Like I, so I watched a whole segment of you on, and which was probably, which probably took about three to four hours, I think. And if um, you want to see Dave's eyes just like <laughs> completely glassed over, I was tore up by the end of yes, that segment. You I was were. so torn up. Yeah, you went through the 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 cycle, the sweat cycles. <laughs> oh no, that that was pre central. That, that was pre central air. Yeah, <laughs> like, and then all the alcohol, different uh, beer and cocktails that you're whipping up for the show, and and you know you stayed over and, and for overtime for a whole, whole other segment, which was a lot of fun actually. Uh, top five Adam Sandler films or top ten, top ten. It wasn't even top five. It was a top ten, and that was between like five or six people. So it was yeah. a, it was a long, and I watched the whole thing because I was actually simmering from. Uh, I actually took a, 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 a early day from work, not that early, only a couple hours early, and went down to Delaware to meet up with my buddy to get a haircut <laughs> in the garage of his barber's house and go running with him and just kind of grab a sandwich in a parking lot and and just to just to do something, just to get out and 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 it was a nice long day and I was it was you know it was it was cool to just go out and do something and drive um catch up with some podcasts you know during the drive and then and then yeah come back and shower up and then just kind of crack open a beer and watch you in the in the live stream it was it was a lot of fun i was interacting with with the guys via text on there and um it, it was it was nice to finally see it because i know i missed uh the last year's three episode, years or like, well, three, <laughs> whatever <last> three years <laughs> uh, Shh, uh, sorry but no and donating, of course. Yeah, that was that was nice. So 
other than that, I've been getting into home renovations. Uh, now, uh, me and me and Lauren have had roofers out and to come out to give us quotes for roofing and siding. That's mm-hmm. going to start next month, uh, which will be nice. Uh, but then we also just got central air put in, so no more hot sweats while I'm doing oh, videos man. and stuff like that. I'm so uh, happy and, about that. <laughs> but I got to spend my Sunday in an attic because when the heating and air conditioning company came in, my uncle, uh, he went up in the attic and he's just like you need insulation up there because the insulation that was up in our attic was like let's say let's say you, you just put two fingers together and like that's how thick it was and it should be about four and a half to six inches thick so i had to go to home depot i had to buy a pallet of insulation an entire pallet so so 22 rolls of it and i went up in my attic and me and my good friend ryan we were up in the attic rolling out insulation on a hot weekend day it was had to be like 120 degrees up there and we're rolling insulation sweating our asses off am i doomed to spend the rest of my life sweating like a pig yeah, not to mention looking like a pig, eating like a pig. Don't forget the smell. Busting up our knees because you're in an attic. You have to either I'm crawl really or happy crouch. you did not ask me to do that. <laughs> no. Originally, my dad was, was like gung-ho for it and like after me doing it and like even though i wore a mask and stuff i was still coughing up fiberglass Dude, lung it's, biscuits it's and just, stuff yeah it is terrible i did that when i was a fucking kid and yeah, my i was like, like there's I was there's no way my digits. dad was gonna survive i think i was nine years old when i was helping my dad do that one time oh it was so, terrible horrible so horrible. that's what's been going on with me jay i know you just got back from ocean city new Jersey, huh yeah, yeah it was a, hanging out it, down it was, the dirty Jersey. it was a nice little uh my cousin has a house down there and and you know i only went to the beach for like an hour and a half one day but it was fantastic it was just nice to be away just to be away but ultimately it was a little guys our usual guys uh golf trip the social distancing stuff was in place other than us pretty much staying in in the house together but we were all separated you know we weren't it's not like we're all up on each other um same thing with the golf courses there was no restaurants there was nothing you guys didn't do your annual uh ninth hole circle jerk (laughs) you guys guys weren't standing over there that's that's the fall season that's the fall season okay yeah yeah i get you that's that's to warm up the arms to to get because you guys you guys have to windmill each other right like like you hold your 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 boy's dick and then he holds your dick and then you put your other arm on his elbow and he puts his arm on your elbow and then you work it so it's like a different hand doing it but you're doing it yourself time it's like jerking off together but not gay we're not touching dicks each other's dicks anyway i'm touching my own dick you're working it and i'm loving it it feels good sir it's we get creative we get creative we <laughs> get do creative puts a whole new meaning on the uh beatles song yeah. come together right now over me who eats the biscuit at the end that's what i want to know <laughs> But Dave, the the biggest news I have to share is that I am uh I'm actually house hunting, believe yeah. it or not. So, yeah. uh, jumping from an apartment all the way up to a condo, and I am kind of narrowed down exactly the area that I want in a couple of different um, condominium complexes that I like, and I'm just kind of scouting daily i mean the market right now is kind of far and few between and everybody's just kind of chomping at the bit so i i you know my sister's a real estate agent thankfully she's helping me out i'm seeing a place tomorrow uh it'll be my second place that i've seen and i've kind of just you know i'm pre-approved everything like that i know exactly what i'm kind of looking for and i'm just kind of waiting for the right one to pop up and i'm gonna pounce on it (laughs) that's essentially where i'm at right now i'm just kind of fucking rip the band-aid off uh do it 
it's going to be, you know, I mean, who knows really, to be honest, but it could be any time from, you know, next week to who knows when three weeks, three months from now that I'm going to finally have my own place. And don't let it go to six know, months. And I can't wait to see I our new studio honestly, it's, because it's that's, not, that's going to be, our, that's going to be our I, new no, studio. It is. It is. It's going to be, I'm looking for a two bedroom. So, you know, it's, it's going to have, that'll be my office and, uh, the podcast room. So that'll That's be awesome. the one room. And then obviously the other one will be my bedroom. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely, it's something that is a long time coming. I could finally financially kind of be in a place where I can get away with it and do it. And, you know, it's still going to be a stretch <laughs> for what I'm looking at exactly. But I, I, you know, it's just one of those things where I, I got to just kind of buckle down and just get the fuck out of this house and, um, and <laughs> move on. Awesome, man. Well, I'm I'm really I'm really happy for you. I can't wait, uh, you know, because this is something that benefits me too. So, <laughs> absolutely, I'm really, I'm really excited for you. But Jay, without any further delay, we've uh, we've talked on over ten minutes now, just catching up with everybody. Let's get into what are you watching? What are you watching? What are we watching? He's trying to watch some illegal channel. Oh, he's watching. No, 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 go past this, past this part. In fact, never play this again. All right, man. I, I got a whole slew of shit that I watched this week. So two of them I'm actually going to do kind of uh, five-minute-ish reviews for. So let's do this in a different format, bud. Hmm. Let's uh, let's have you give one, then I'll give one, then you know, back and forth. Let's have a little yeah. give and take, a little rat-a-tat. Well, my, mine, mine have all been uh, rewatches, so I haven't uh, watched any new content lately. Boring. Um, just been, There's so uh, much new content out there. Yeah, I guess so. I just haven't really been around to watch <laughs> i think so yeah i'm gonna just start off right now with clerks um good old you're one of your all-time favorite movies kevin smith's clerks it's it's one of those kind of weird films where um i have a an annoying love hate relationship with it i think there's so much about it that's so annoying and so much about it that is amazing and i love about it and the fact that it's his first feature i think it's so expertly uh, crafted and 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 it's just a fun little weird movie. Awesome. Uh, so I'm going to start off with something positive. I want to be positive here. Uh, I'm going to start off by reviewing the fil- a film that just came out on June 5th. It came to video on demand. It's called Becky. Search continues for four inmates who escaped federal custody this morning. Authorities say the men are armed and extremely dangerous. I'm looking for a key. It has this symbol engraved on it. You seen it? No. Well, that leaves little Becky. Where's Becky? Wait, wait! He's gonna hold your dad still while I hurt him. I'm not gonna let them get away with this. I once was a little girl. Becky! And she was good. Stop running! She was very, very good. And when she was bad, she was horrible. It's worth much more than that. Becky! You're clearly a special girl! I don't want to have to hurt you. But I do want to hurt you real bad. And it is directed by Carrie Murnion and Jonathan Millett. And they just uh, responded to me on Instagram when I asked everyone to, to share what they thought of the film. They didn't, uh, they, they didn't say anything, uh, but they did leave me a message with a key, a fox, 
and a knife. And uh, if you see the movie, that, that, that means a whole lot. So let me first off by, by say this movie, I want to say it, it floored me. And I don't mean like it floored me because it was so amazing that um, you, you just have to see it. It floored me because I was not expecting the level of bloody, disgusting gore that I got. And it was so fucking good. It was so good. I, I, I was like, I, I was so elated to have that because in previous weeks, I've been talking about all these horror movies that I've been watching and they all lacked that aspect. Even though they, they, it felt like their subject matter was set up to give me something of that ilk, they always failed to deliver on it. Hmm. And this one 100% delivers with wonderful, practical effects, blood and gore. So kudos on them for, for taking that route. Uh, there's also some cinematography choices, some, some, some shot choices that I actually really enjoyed. There's one point where they're both talking back and forth on uh, Becky and uh, Kevin James character talking back and forth on walkie talkies. And as it starts, it's, it's him on the walkie-talkie, and it pans through the forest to her on the other side with a walkie-talkie. And then it pans back, and it's a little closer to his face, and the pan was just a little... It, 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 it took less time. And then it goes back over to her, taking even less time, even closer to her, back and forth, until they're face-to-face in a seamless split screen talking back and forth. And I don't know why, but like when I saw that, I was like, I, I like that because it was drawing me into their conversation, but it was also drawing me into each of their characters. And those are the two characters that you're going to give a shit about. Uh, one of my few problems with it was Kevin James as as a character. While I thought he was a he played a great villain, definitely a role we've never seen him really tackle before. Right. I didn't. They gave him a motivation, but his motivation was a MacGuffin, but they explain nothing about him. He does play, it's not spoilers, it happens in the first five minutes of the film, he does play a white supremacist, but they don't really get into that aspect of his character too much. It's definitely part of him, and it's definitely seen through his brutality, but they don't, he doesn't have like like a monologue. So really, his mysteriousness like you, doesn't really pull off and translate on screen not, not really because be the, Mac- okay. the MacGuffin that they're going for here it, it it's clear that it has this monumental importance but we don't know what it is and and that's fine by me that that really is fine but i want to know what's his motivation for getting it i don't i don't necessarily need to know what the MacGuffin is or 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 what it is a key to i don't need to know that i just need to know what his motivation is here. And I didn't feel like I got that. I definitely felt the desperation of him. Um, and I definitely got the dynamic between him and his cronies that are there. But I, I just didn't get enough of him to truly make me say like, what a standout performance from Kevin James. You know, what a, what a fantastic character. I didn't have enough to do that, but I had enough for me to go. That was good. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, right. But one of the things they did really well was they set up the character of Becky really well to be this 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 little girl that is capable of such brutality. Like they kind of set up her character as as uh, uh, an eleven year old, twelve year old girl that's teetering on the edge of, of of sanity already, almost. So it's very believable when she has to make the turn to protector of uh, of her house and you know, rightful vengeance seeker uh, against these people. And she does it in bloody fashion. It, it makes sense. 
like it, it it doesn't feel like it's out of left field where you would think it's unbelievable for a child to come up with these plans and to and to be capable of such brutality because it was there in her character from the beginning it, it just took this incident to bring it out of her so you guys give up or you're thirsty for more that's one of the things that i that i really enjoyed about it honestly i'm i'm highly recommending it to everybody i rented it for 6.99 for the uh, high def version on on uh, my video on demand service and i suggest everyone does the same if you're into like this type of film if you're in to to kind of like revenge films as well um you know i think of films like spit on your grave like the first one if you're into stuff like that this i would say is actually better than the spit on your grave series so uh i i highly recommend it i'm giving it a b plus jay it's a it's a b plus that's, which is that's good because it's I'm, really good yeah i i pointed this out to you i believe and i was pretty blown away by the trailer so it's definitely on my radar i might check it out this week if i can most um, interesting about it it's a red box original you know like outside oh, 7-eleven and walgreens yeah. there's always like these boxes with physical media inside of them i don't i don't fuck with them because i, I barely use physical media anymore but it's there uh and apparently that company it's cheaper rental now, sometimes it is it's like a dollar <laughs> it's a dollar <laughs> a day uh but like it, but it's also DVDs. There's also not a whole lot of Blu-rays, from what I remember. So, and even then, I, I'm not even sure if there's even higher def. So, if you're if you're one of those like you know what, one of the high def crack fiends, where it's like it's gotta it's gotta be the 4K, it's gotta be UHD, yeah, HDR, I'm the, I'm the I gotta have it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're the opposite. Uh, I, I, I'm I'm like that to an extent. To now, like I can tell the difference between like standard def and like HDR and stuff like that. Sure. It's a miles difference to the point where like if I'm I'm watching something in standard def and i'm just like ugh it looks <laughs> awful <laughs> but this movie looked good man uh man it, it was it, it was bright the colors the, the colors popped uh especially the blood and it was just it was just all around a a good time i, I really enjoyed watching it cringing at moments when something bloody disgusting happens and uh crying at one moment there's dogs in the movie i'll say no oh, more. <laughs> all right we'll, we'll just move on there i think that's your five minutes there Dave. <laughs> that is my five minutes uh so jay uh what else what else did you get down to watch? uh okay so one out of my two coming of age movies which are both fantastic um the kids of the kids the kids are all right i'm sorry about that a little tongue twister. yeah and almost serendipitously uh yeah. Lauren put this on the same weekend that you were watching i mean her know. watched it. i was that was really cool that that happened um this you know filmmaker she's a writer director lisa i'm gonna butcher her last name uh cholodenko um she has previously done laurel canyon with christian bale um back in 2002 i believe and then i think in the late 90s high art which i also kind of enjoy a lot um I've seen it a long time ago. It's a little indie darling. And this one is just a charming little fable. And it's it's got a lot of complexity. Um, you know, obviously, this follows Julianne Moore and Annette Bening. Co-parenting as a lesbian couple. Um, two, two young kids, Josh Hutcherson and Mia Wasikowska. And, 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 you know, she is coming of age to 18 years old and finally wants to know who her biological father is. And and it's played yeah. by the great Mark Ruffalo playing this well, it's, incredible. It's actually, 
It's actually not her. It's the little brother oh, who's yes. 15 years True. old who wants That's to right. know. But since she's 18, she's the yep. one who can request the documents yes. to find out who he is. And it's the first movie where I saw Mark Ruffalo in, and I was like, he is handsome. He isn't is he? sexy as fuck in this movie, isn't <laughs> he? In this movie, he's good looking. He's dude, just right? cool. he's just cool as shit. Yeah, he's not like, o- not always, but sometimes. Well, sometimes. I know, I know. Yeah, he's 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 a, he's, he's a dashing some bitch. He's, <laughs> He's a little too cold for school, and, I, and it comes back to bite him in the ass a little bit. But um, he definitely is. And then when you watch him in the interviews, you're just like, he—he's he, not hot when he does an interview, but he's like, he's like sweet in a nerdy way. Yes. <laughs> like if you ever hear him do interviews, you're like, oh, that's so cute. I, you're so cute when you try. I—I I was a big Ruffalo fan in his indie uh, circuit before he kind of became like Mark Ruffalo, like how he is now, famous. Um, and, and he has a couple odd little weird, cool movie roles as well, where he's a bit of a dick, but he's still kind of cool at the same time. And, uh, I definitely recommend you guys kind of go throughout his filmography back in his earlier days. And I, mean, uh, I would start here. I, I think out. this, this oh, yeah, is almost absolutely, like a, absolutely. a very big breakout role for him as far as like acting chops guy. I mean, I know, uh, and, and, and when I say that, I don't mean he wasn't a good actor prior to this. What I mean was this was something that was put out that was accessible to a lot of people and seen by a lot of people correct that 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 really pushed him forward uh but i gotta i gotta wonder jay at the end of the movie did you feel like he was kind of a dick at the end of the movie for making that phone call and asking what he asked like is is he just that in, is was he that immature and that incapable of reading the fucking room when he made that phone call i think well obviously yes i do believe it's kind of it's kind of honest though i think when you really really think about it with him and that kind of character okay um, and, and being that age and, and just kind of stumbling upon this kind of thing. And you can Jay- tell by him as a person, right? He's a playboy. He has no relationships. Yeah. He doesn't know how to 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 be but once again respectful. i see a little i see a little of you there oh i definitely you know? do i definitely with, do <laughs> with I, all I, the young ladies I, I and the cocksmith and the sleeping around and too cool for school and then he he kind of he kind of catches feelings yeah. you know yeah and how can he not he gets to love he's not a necessarily bad guy at heart he just doesn't know how to he doesn't know this world he doesn't know he doesn't what a know family what dynamic is. well he doesn't know what a family dynamic is right and he, I and, know what and he got stumbled upon this situation where he I weasled his way in it. I want you to show me. And I want to <laughs> feel what love is. <laughs> Would you All right. show me? Okay. All right, bud. Uh, all right. So my 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 next thing that yep. I watched uh, another it. horror movie. This is an IFC midnight movie. Uh, both both this and Becky that I just reviewed are, are, are doing this interesting things where they're being released on video on demand and also quote unquote theaters and stuff like that. But they also did their film circuit when there was still when there were still film festivals going on. But they're also showing in drive-in theaters. Which really? I absolutely fucking love. We have one around here. Do it's you? Not too far. Do we? It's I, not too far from us. It's about an hour and a half, two hours from uh, us. That's far enough. We can make a pilgrimage. <laughs> we can make a pilgrimage. Supposedly, at some point. Well, uh, fingers, right. fingers still crossed. When we get West the YouTube from VHS, going, maybe yeah. we'll make an appearance well, and do a YouTube show. West from show VHS there. is supposed to come up here, and he wants he wants to spend the time going out there and and doing the drive-in theater, and I'm down for that. But the film that I'm talking about is called The Wretched. Dad, mom's being weird mom's always been weird <laughs> what are you doing up here Dylan! don't let her in my son likes to play hide and seek 
Can you bring him down? I didn't say he was here. You're a very stupid boy. Can I help you? He's still in home? Dylan, Dylan, down here, baby. You know, your son, Dylan, I don't have a son. He had no idea who I was talking about. He's gone, I know it. I'd like to report a missing kid. So, uh, the wretched follows uh, a young man, Ben, whose parents are recently divorced. He moves to a remote Michigan town on, I believe it's Lake Michigan, uh, where his father is, who is, his father's now newly dating somebody. He's kind of a troubled teen, and he moves in with with his father, and next door, there is a, a young family uh, with a young son and a baby, father, wife, you know. Anyway, suddenly... The wife becomes possessed by a witch, and he is hell-bent on saving their son. And it it's really... I wanted to love it. It gets a lot of buzz. It really does. It gets... It, it, a lot of people are talking about that, that it's really good. I was not blown away by it. I was not in love with it. I felt that it was a pretty I, I don't know how to put I, I felt it was it was really mundane in the end like when I watched it, I, I felt like it took it took no risks it wasn't hmm. it wasn't incredibly stylistic at all you know and 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 maybe what about if, the story and characters maybe if things like hereditary you know hadn't come out prior to this or or the conjuring or or the original insidious film like maybe if there weren't like these landmark horror films that had come out in some of the similar vein as this previously i would have loved it more but i was not as intrigued in the story either jay i i wasn't it it, it seemed pretty haphazard it was almost like matter of fact you know in a lot of horror films that it's it's figuring out what your monster is like you know we sure the discovery yeah yeah the 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 discovery of what it is how to defeat it you know what you got to do making a plan the kids band together to go up against it i think of something like it follows right where there's not a whole lot known about the creature and part of part of the draw of that film is figuring it out with them uh as best that you can uh in this it's a google search and he goes oh that's a witch symbol satanic there's a witch next door done Let's get into it. Uh, it does have some solid effects, uh, where I think for a for a small budget movie, uh, it's not it's not well acted. It's not it's not poorly acted either. But there's just nothing out there to say for me to go like it's it's brilliant. Like it's you know really great performance. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just n- nothing. Honestly, in the end, nothing special for me. Where I where I watched that, I had a good time watching it, but I didn't love it at all. Um, and I'll probably never watch it again. Whereas Becky. I'm probably going to enjoy watching that again. Really? So, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I I, I got to go for the wretched C minus. I think. Yeah. That I think C minus. Right. C minus. It's just. It's not bad. It's just. It's just nothing great about it. And like yeah. I said, maybe I've been spoiled well, by some. But rewatchability plays a big part. I think in it a does grade, for me. to some degree. To some degree, and um, and I think it does overall. And and I you know I there's nothing there's, there's no shame in that buddy I mean you know it's, it happens a lot of times with a lot of movies and obviously for me a lot of indie movies <laughs> right um, I think it's also it, some something that I heard a lot of positive buzz about and I wanted to love it mm. and then you know seeing it and not being as in love with it as I thought right. I should be you know expectation does play a role so all right Jay what else did you get down to watching anything else uh 
the other coming of age movie, The Perks of Being a Wallflower. Ah, me and Lauren just watched that a month or two ago too. Uh, what a goddamn! What a I love that movie. This I just is absolutely love it. really really good, and I forgot how good it is. I haven't seen it since it came out, and I remember really loving it at the time. I think you know when this came out, it was certainly one of my favorite movies of the year, and I understand why because. It does not back down, and it really touches on so many different aspects of coming of age and friendships, and and you know also trauma and and depression and love and sex and relationships and um, you know so many different kind of things. And also, it does anxiety uh, for the main anxiety, character. Yes, yes, far better than a lot of other things do. Uh, a lot of other media As the has. lead actor, even you know, a very shy. I'm going to talk about a show right now that does anxiety very poorly. I think uh, Thirteen Reasons Why, season four. I just uh, just wrapped it up today, and uh, yeah, man, I gave up on that. That show series. has just it took a swan dive from a cliff and just kept going until it became a just a a bloody mess at the bottom. It is it is absolutely tone deaf by the end of this. It, it, it does it, it does mental health a poor justice for, for kids suffering of mental health, I think. Um, it, it, it almost romanticizes it in a way that I, I feel like they've gotten far away from their message. See, that's how I um, felt when I first started watching season two and it made me, it turned me off and I turned it, it off did. and I just never no, went back to it. You're not wrong. Like season two is a far drop from what season one was. Season three, even further. Season four is it's just a new fucking low. And it's and I'm not saying like it does anything that's like like terribly, you know, bad or anything like that. It's just that it it it, it's outstayed its welcome. Hundred percent. It's just outstayed its welcome. I'm very sensitive to that kind of stuff and and if they don't do it in a tasteful way to some degree, I'm not gonna keep on watching it. it. the way it ended pissed me off. Like I, I was just pissed off. I was like, "All right." What about everyone, Lauren? How did she like uh, it? She wasn't crazy about it either, man. Yeah. We, we were, we were dragging. There's only ten episodes this season. We were dragging uh, after like episode two or three. We're like, "All right, so when's it gonna get good? Like, what's gonna happen? Like, what the fuck is going on with this kid? Like, they just, they just played into the fact that Clay has, has gone insane the entire time." And I was like, all right, maybe they're leading to his defense, right? Like, like maybe he'll do something shocking and take the blame for Bryce's death and then get to, you know, plea insanity. And maybe, maybe that would be an interesting way to take it. And I was like, I'm, I'm down for that. I'll check that out. No, fuck that. It, it, it. It, it took the it took the pussy's way out. Honestly, it's the last season. I don't have to endure it ever again. And honestly, if you're gonna ever watch Thirteen Reasons Why, if you didn't jump on the bandwagon three and a half years ago, don't. Then just watch season one and and just just that's, that's all you need. It, I think yeah. It ends there. Yeah. It, it ends there. Make up make up your own story yeah. for how it ends from that point on. Yeah. All right, Jay. Uh, I got two more things to mention, uh, and then we're gonna get out of here and get into our trailer park. So what you got? What else did you watch this week? Only Lovers Left Alive. This is um, another one of my little, I put it on probably once or twice a year, maybe not even that much. But wasn't it's, this it's, on your pandemics film? This, this was on your top five pandemics, wasn't it? No, 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 hmm. no, no. This is, this is a Jim Jaramusch film. Okay, no, this is, I was thinking of the one where they're both vampires. This and- is, it is that. 
Okay. But this is definitely not a pandemic thing. <laughs> oh, all right. It's, it's just a simple. It was definitely on a top five list for you at some point. It was. I, I think it was. It I don't know exactly either. By no. Maybe, this maybe is listeners, a, if if they know, they can uh, they can reach out to us. If any listener ever remembers any <laughs> movies that you talk about ever. <laughs> Yeah, so this just, you know, it follows a depressed, uh, you know, a depressed musician played by Tom Hiddleston, um, and he reunites with his lover, Tilda Swinton, and obviously they're both vampires, which they never say formally in the movie, but it's obvious. Um, and I remember when you described this movie, I thought of it as someone who was a fan of the Anne Rice novels was pissed off after they watched Queen of the Dam and then went and wrote this because this should be the real story of the vampire Lestat in yes. the modern world. <laughs> yes, this is probably one of the coolest and most realistic take on if a vampire actually existed in this day. Right. You know, and, and throughout the centuries, and how they live, and and where they live, and what they do, and what they consume themselves with, and their time and stuff, and how they you know trust certain individuals, and if something happens, what do they have to do? Um, it, it's got a great cast. You know, Jeffrey Wright, Anton Yelchin, John Hurt, uh, Mia Wasikowska again, and 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 it's just it's one of my favorite Jim Jarmusch films, and it's also one of my favorite little late night. Uh, throw-ons because it's very languid it's very moody and it's got a great soundtrack and score so definitely check it out especially if you're uh, a little indie fan and uh, definitely if you're a vampire fan <laughs> all right uh all right so so uh just got these things to mention real quick uh we talked uh two weeks ago jay you asked me if i was watching defending jacob i told you i had started it mm-hmm. i have now finished it uh man i was riveted by it i was oh, edging my seat the whole time uh i think i watched the first episode before our b- b- before we recorded the last episode but the next day i finished the other seven like i just watched them seven hours straight i sat there and i just i just finished it out and i really enjoyed it i thought that chris evans played an extremely well complicated character torn between law and mm-hmm. his own son mm-hmm. i thought i thought that dynamic was great i thought his the dynamic with his marriage was fantastic and uh uh, you know, even even the kid who was in it, Jaden Martell from from the It series. Uh, you know, he played Billy in It. I just thought it was it was well acted. It it, it was a well thought out story. It had a twist towards the end that was that uh-huh. was earned. I felt I oh, felt good. that they that they worked their way towards that, and they did a fantastic job of just seeding the doubt throughout the entire. Uh, series about whether Jacob is innocent or not. No spoilers here, whether he is or not. But it was it was worth it. It was worth the eight hours that it took to get through it. Uh, it's hard for me to recommend it though because it is very much. Well, let me uh, ask you least, this: Do you think these takes... three episodes are courtroom drama focused? Well, obviously, I'm sure that's later on in the series. Uh, not as late as you would think. <laughs> all right. <laughs> okay. Well, let me ask you this: like. It, it, like after the first episode do you pretty much have a good understanding if you're going to like this series or not yes yes okay okay i think so so i think that's good that's good it's not one of those if you're not hooked by the end of the first episode okay you're you're fine to bounce out then it's it's not going to be for you it's it's not it's not a slow burn um it's it's more of a fuse yeah the first episode is the lighting of a fuse and the whole rest of the series you're going to follow that fuse until it reaches its destination you'll either be blown away by the end or it'll be a dud for you um so i can't promise it's going to pay off for everybody but i felt the payoff was was pretty well done just two other things that i watched jay space force the whole uh, the whole season 
I watched the whole season. Wow. Yeah, Greg Daniels teams back up with Steve Carell, uh, and they bring us Space Force, this TV show. We did a trailer park for it, this uh, this TV show that was born out of one statement that President Trump made in one of his speeches about setting up a military force to guard us from, from, from outer space. <laughs> so they came up with Space Force. So crazy. And I got to say, again, just like The Office, it, it is a show that is hilarious in its mundane right like it i i think how lackadaisically they treat space in this is hilarious right like it, it's it's almost funny that these bumbling idiots are behind space exploration like they absorbed nasa and nasa became a militarized thing called space force and that that to me is hilarious it's almost like king of the hill where king of the hill is hilarious in its mundane nature like how mundane sure. hank is is hilarious um like the fact that he that he doesn't want to vote for george w bush because he shaked his hand and he had a limp handshake like <laughs> that that's something that's funny because that's something that means something to this person this is filled with that stuff however it's not as funny as like the office i don't think it's i some of its jokes are not as well earned as the office uh, i mean it, it also let's face it it doesn't have 100 plus episodes to build up to that type of stuff but it, it, at the same time, it, it in the end, I'm, I wasn't in love with it. I wasn't clamoring for a season two where it's like, I enjoyed what I got. If they're like, no, that's it. It's just one season. I'm like, all right, cool. That's fine. Yeah, that's fine. Hmm. It, it's a C plus or a B minus show at, at, at best. But I, I, I found myself laughing at certain points and other points. I was extremely bored. Uh, John Malkovich is the standout character in this though by the way so um if you're gonna watch it watch it for john malkovich's character who shows up i think towards the end of episode one possibly uh episode two so and then jay the final thing i watched i watched this with logan and it is an absolute love letter to anybody who is a fan of old hanna Barbera cartoons. I watched Scoob, yeah, <laughs> uh, with the the brief origin story of how Shaggy and Scooby met, the retcon story, amazing, the the uh, the the whole mystery machine crew going out there solving mysteries, the breakup of the crew, the Blue Falcon. I mean, there's just so much uh, Hanna Barbera love in it. If you are a fan of old Hanna Barbera cartoons, adults, kids, I mean, I remember back in the day when Cartoon Network first started. Cartoon Network started with Flintstones, The Jetsons, Scooby-Doo. Like It was all those old Hanna-Barbera cartoons. And even some of the original Cartoon Network cartoon cartoons were Hanna-Barbera cartoons as well. So uh, it's a, it's an absolute love letter to that stuff. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I didn't love it. It's not, you know, any, it's, it's not the greatest animated film of all time. Like it's, you know, it's no <laughs> Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, right? It's no the Lego movie. It's not Coco. It's not, you know, it's not any of that stuff. It's just solid. It's just fun. So if you if you're a fan of of old cartoons and stuff like that, I suggest you give it a shot. Um, even though it has an absolutely outlandish story, there's a ton of fun to be had there. And the voice cast is is awesome. You know, Mark Wahlberg is is great as the Blue Falcon. So um that if you get the chance and it's it's available for you to stream it, I wouldn't suggest paying anything for it. So when it comes to streaming services, definitely check it out. All right, Jay, that's it, man. That was a All lot. All right. I know. Yeah. Did we, a lot. Lots to go through, man. It's been a couple weeks. But we're finally here and we just got a new trailer for Bill and Ted 
face the music. So you and I are going to head over and we're going to do a brief trailer park for that before we get into our news. Cut the beat and let the music play. No trailer park. Shout out to Dave and Jay. I don't serve, but it's a new wave. We've been on since God saved the right style. I don't want to flow until I know that the bass drop. Welcome back to Trailer Park. Again, uh, we haven't done it in a while. I want to thank Thomas Iannucci, our good friend uh, from Kauai. Thank you, sir. Hope all is well. Hawaii, for uh, providing us with that music for our Trailer Park. Uh, you can follow him on Instagram. It's Thomas Iannucci on Instagram. And you can see him uh, protesting uh, for for the Black Lives Matter movement. So uh, I want to just wish him. I, I hope he's doing well. He's a good friend of ours. And uh, I speak to him every now and then. But, you know, things have been getting a little busy in quarantine time and uh haven't really gotten a chance to catch up with them as much as i would like but jay we got a new trailer this is a movie i believe it was on our one of our lists for anticipated films of 2020 it's bill and ted face the music Mm -hmm. Uh, it is the return of keanu reeves and alex winter as ted theodore logan and bill s preston esquire (laughs) (laughs) 25 years ago, you played a concert in front of the entire world. One month ago, you played in Barso, California for 40 people, most of whom were there for $2 taco night. Bill and Ted, what have you got to say for yourselves? Be excellent to each other and party on, dudes. We're supposed to unite the world and save reality as we know it. Bill, we've spent our whole life trying to write the song that will unite the world. Why can't we just go to the future when we have written it? Whoa! Take it from ourselves! But isn't that stealing? How is that stealing if we're stealing it from ourselves, dude? How'd you like our song? It's a little on the dark side, but you know, that's cool. Uh, this is one of those movies that it's like they announced the sequel and it's like, I'm okay. I didn't really think about whether I wanted a sequel to that, but now that you've announced it, uh-huh. now that you put it in the ether. Yeah, I really, really do. And to be honest, I, especially this day and age, it. I think everybody just wants to like take a break and just step back and like get silly and watch something fun and new and revisit old fun characters that we know. And, you know, and they're always as as dumb as they are. They always are coming from a sense of like good, you know? Right. And and I think both of these simpler times, simpler kids, you know, (laughs) I I think they've always wanted to do a a sequel to it. Um, At least at least it's been in the zeitgeist for a little while. So just finally getting that confirmation. Just like just like Ghostbusters. You know, we've been waiting for it for a Ghostbusters uh, sequel for some time, a proper sequel. But Bill and and Ted's cheap to make, you know, exactly, exactly. And 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 the cheaper it is. The better it, it fits in with the with the original mm-hmm. too. Um, so one of the first things that 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 really drew me in, Jay, you mentioned it right after we watched the trailer, uh, is they have the old Orion logo right there in the beginning of it, which is a nice little touch to the to the originals and stuff um, to the original studio that was behind uh, Bill and Ted. Yeah. 
And then we find out that they are not living up to their potential. We kind of get this dialogue that they played in front of millions of people and they were meant to write the song that inspired the world, which is where we were kind of left with them in Bill and Ted's bogus journey. And it hasn't happened for them. Yeah, Here they somehow are now. it just hasn't happened. Yeah in their late 40s, early 50s, and it just hasn't happened for them. And I think it's something that our generation can, I, I feel like, relate to, you know, where I, I think a lot of us have lofty dreams, lofty ideals about who we are going to be when we grow up, you know, what we're going to want to do. I don't think I thought that I would be working in the industry that I'm working in and doing a podcast for fun. <laughs> you know, I don't think that's who I thought I was going to be. I, I'm not saying I regret that, but if someone asked me, did you live up to your true potential? I'd probably say like, well, well no. Yeah. No, so, I know that for a fact. Uh, you, you, so, so I, I, I feel like I, I feel like that's that's kind of like the message we're getting in this movie. Um, we we also find out that they uh, just played a concert in front of forty people inside of a restaurant, but most of them were there for Taco Tuesday. <laughs> Which is a line that cracked me up. Uh, we also see at one point Samara Weaving and Bridget Lundy Payne. Both of them are playing Thea Preston and Billy Logan, the daughters that they had with the princesses from Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. So mm. that it, we, we get a brief glimpse of them. We knew that they were going to be fathers in this, but we do get a brief glimpse of them. It looks like they're, they, they're, they were just doing like a concert or something, and the girls are kind of like taking pictures of them. But it turns out like the, the, the MacGuffin of this film, what they're going after, um, rather than trying to pass a test for high school or stop the evil us's like they have done in previous films they're gonna have to travel through time find out who they were supposed to be and who they will be and steal that song from themselves in the future and what i what i think we're gonna wind up getting is this kind of time traveling possibly even dimension bending trip just like we got in previous ones of course. where they are going to visit different versions of themselves and we get a brief glimpse of that by the end when we see both of them in jail just completely rip yeah. the fuck up <laughs> oh yeah huge nothing and, but muscles and testosterone yeah, and i got a, i got a kick out of that i got a kick out of that i i tried to like freeze frame it a little bit to kind of like get their tattoos and stuff like that to kind of see if there's like any in jokes in them um i didn't have time to go through like as many as i as i wanted to so um if anyone like really freeze framed it looked at their tattoos if they saw anything i definitely saw a wild stallions tattoo on them which is the name of their band where they both play lead guitar <laughs> and no one plays any other instruments in it <laughs> <laughs> then uh yeah reach out to us on on social media let us know reach out to us on twitter and facebook let us know if you saw any interesting tattoos on the juiced up prison version of them uh and then and then finally jay uh we get some glimpses of other things that are going to be going on obviously they visit the future world that george carlin uh used to used to be from and and was kind of like their guide unfortunately george carlin is gone one of the saddest celebrity deaths of recent years um i i miss him so much he was such a such a hilarious individual if you never watch george carlin stand up you're doing yourself a disservice you really got to go watch some of it yeah. um but they have a moment with death from uh bill and ted's bogus journey which in 
<laughs> in Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, Death was my favorite character. I absolutely loved him. He uh, was so was so straight laced, and when he cut loose, it was so nerdy and so ridiculous oh, and so stupid. So you just ridiculous. had to laugh. You have to laugh at him. So uh, I can't wait for this movie, man. Uh, I'm, I, I'm not. My expectations are extremely low, though. I really just need this to be like a fuck 2020. Here's a shut your brain off thing that you're going to giggle to for for uh, 90 minutes. And that, that's all I need it to be. That's yeah, that's, all all, it to that's, be. that's what I want as well. And and the trailer reminded me that that's what I want too because it just looks like just too much silly fun. Exactly. I mean, that w- one of the funnest things about like Bill and Ted is while there is like these these big like philosophical questions going on like the meaning of life and you know whether there is an afterlife, all this stuff, all this stuff is going on around them. But it is the two most moronic protagonists that you're following so you don't have time to think about these 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 greater mysteries of the universe that they are potentially solving <laughs> and that that to me is absolutely hilarious uh so we will find out how bill and ted face the music really is when it comes out on august 21st but i cannot wait for it all right jay that's it for our trailer park let's head over and let's get into this week's news all right this week's news it's quick painless like novocaine mm. we're just going to get into it um there's there's not a whole lot of news going on i think we had a couple weeks of like really big news right around you know the time that studios will be dropping stuff for their big blockbusters and stuff i think they needed to get a message out there that they're that they're still in production and stuff so they there's a bunch of news in the past couple of weeks and i think we're going to see a bunch of news towards the end of june because that is when a lot of the conventions would be going on, that they would normally be dropping this news. And a lot of this stuff, a lot of these big announcements that maybe Marvel and DC had been waiting to do, have been, and even Star Wars and, and other franchises, they've pushed back because they want to wait till their films are coming back out in the theaters to start putting out trailers and drumming up publicity and stuff like that for that stuff. So we're just kind of like in a little bit of a lull here. But Jay, let's get into our first news story. All right, well, let's start it off with my boy Gaz, Ryan Gosling. Baby Goose! (laughs) Actually pitched Universal Studios for a story idea of the Wolfman, and he will play the Wolfman. Oh, well, Wolves London. If they don't play that song in that movie. It's, I'll and tell if you. Ryan Gosling, if Baby Goose is not walking down a street just like <laughs> Tobey Maguire did in Spider-Man 3, just kind of like disco dancing to, oh, well, was London. No? no? You wouldn't watch that movie? Yeah. It's Maybe. it's Baby Goose thrusting his crotch and, and giving finger guns to everybody. I, You'd watch it. You'd watch it. No. You know why it's not going to happen? Because they're not going that route. They're not going silly and big. They're going Absolutely more not. intimate. and um, They're going back to what should have worked. driven character-driven. I mean, yeah. just a la The Invisible Man. They, they, they took that original movie and they spun it on its head, uh, made something fresh, made something on the cheap. And 
you know, delivered something really pretty solid. You know, but we got a Wolfman like that, man. Back in back in 2010, Benicio, Benicio del Toro, Benicio del Toro, and Anthony Hopkins, man. Uh, that was character I w- driven. I, w- I actually, I, I was, I was kind of ho hum on it. Um, I didn't, I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. I thought I, it was I, okay. Dude, I didn't love it. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I, I thought it was pretty boring and pedantic. Right. Boring and pedantic. But I, I would hope that 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 you know, with the success of Invisible Man, and kind of like this revival of quote unquote the universal dark universe monsters universe whatever. I don't think they're going to be trying to tie them in together. I no. just think they they're just going to be coming out with these single standalone stories and stuff like that. And I look forward to it, dude. Baby Goose is a great fucking actor. The guy's, well, the guy's kills. And not just that, he, he he knows how to choose projects. You know, he's got a, a really good taste and diverse taste. And, 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 you know, it'll be a good change of pace from a couple astronaut movies. <laughs> these are, t- I was saying, these are two, but I think these are interesting choices for him. Not that he's doing an astronaut movie, but that he's doing a film with Lord and Miller, who are, well, true. You know, hi- and, historically, and I think he's the only person there directors. Too. Yeah. It's right. going to be like a-, a la moon, like one man up in space kind of thing. Um, it's not Neil Armstrong again. Not someone you would expect him to work with. And with this, with him doing And he a chose Wolfman, those guys too. Like yeah. Gosling has that kind of power sometimes where he can choose and he's probably choosing his own director as well for the Wolfman. But um, with him doing Wolfman, him him in makeup or, or, or him possibly like CGI well, over and stuff like that. The most exciting thing not about him. It. Sure. That's not him. Sure. You don't hire Gosling to hide him under fur. <laughs> like, well, you know what I mean? You know what? You hire him because he's fucking gorgeous, well, and women want to sit on his face. Well, I mean, you, that's why you hire him. But you don't cover that face with a dog maul. But you know what's so exciting? They in the trades compared it to a modern day, um, a la Nightcrawler, like with Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah, we'll wait and see until we get more, more, more. I'm just saying that kind of vibe, for, that kind of vein, for oh. throwing that out there. I like it. I'm already liking it. Next news story. All right, Jay, there are rumors abound, rumors abound that Evan Peters' version of Quicksilver from X-Men Days of Future Past will appear in WandaVision. I say from Days of Future Past because if you follow his character of Quicksilver and anything else that was in that X-Men universe, you're you're not going to be excited. (laughs) You already loved it Mm -hmm. in Days of Future Past. But um, apparently he might appear in WandaVision, which makes sense given the somewhat dimensional rift it appears might be occurring in that show it makes sense that two versions of quicksilver would possibly exist and i don't think that this is anything like they're bringing that character into the mcu or anything yeah i don't know if i like it though it's kind of a it's kind of odd um well jay when you have a film coming out that's called dr strange in the multiverse of madness mm -hmm. let's get a little weird buddy yeah Let's and, get weird, and they can let's, do it now since they have Fox. Yeah, let's let's get naked in a dark room together. Weird, but like neither of us really know whether we're naked or where each other are. So maybe if we bump into each other, we can just we can just ignore that it happened <laughs> and just be like, you know, like oh, you know, sorry. It must have been I didn't his mean that. fingers. Must have, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, where it's where it's like it's 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 slightly homoerotic, but like not homoerotic enough where anyone can like really point to us and say like, nah, dude, you're. You guys like each other a little bit more than that. And I'll be like, no, it was a total accident. It was dark. It's that type of. (laughs) 
It's that, that level very of specific, weirdness. David. It's a very specific type of weirdness, right? It's very specific. It, it can either be as mundane as 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 you know, bumping dicks in the dark, <laughs> then pretend never talking about it again, ignoring that it ever happened, or it could be a big thing where they bring this character either back to life or they bring this character into the MCU, and it's a big deal. It's one of the two things. It's one of the two. But my guess is more than likely. This is a cameo. This is the bumping dicks in the dark, and we'll never talk about it again. Mm. It'll just be a brief cameo and a little nod, kind of just like a little wink, and then we move forward. That's that's honestly what I'm thinking from it. And then if we ever do X-Men in the future, there either may be a new version of Quicksilver, or they may bring back the Aaron Taylor Johnson version. Uh, there's also rumors that that, that, that that version's coming back as well. So uh, time will tell. Certainly interested and uh, intrigued by this rumor. Yeah, I think sky's the limit with that. I think that's always a fun little cameo that you could throw in there and would would make sense, you know. Um, I like I like him as an actor as well, even though sure. uh, he he he's, is under he's hot a talent. Wa- he's a real talent. He is under hot water right now for uh, possible racist tweets. However, he did apologize for them and kind of claimed that he was goaded into it. It, it, it kind of came off in a way that he didn't mean. Whatever, just delete the tweet, dude, and never speak of it again. Just like me and Jay bumping dicks in the dark. They'll talk about it. Next news story. All right, Jay. This news story, I'm too excited to read. It's too fucking groovy. Why don't you deliver it to everybody? Oh, yeah. Well, one of my uh, unsavoring news stories to deliver you guys tonight is that or evil. Or some would say, you could dead. say bane of my existence. Yeah, or that. <laughs> I'm trying to be gentle. Evil Dead 4 is coming to screens, and Bruce Campbell actually uh, dropped that news, and uh, but he also confirmed that, well, it's going to be a new director, and Ash will apparently not be in it somehow, so no Sam Raimi and no Bruce Campbell. What's up yeah. with that, Dave? It's uh, pretty crazy. I, I, I would think that if you watched Ash versus the Evil Dead, the way Bruce Campbell and Sam Raimi are looking at it is... Ash's story ended there. As unsatisfied as you may have been with him riding off into a post-apocalyptic desert on a beautiful hell machine that of his own making, um, you know, m- maybe maybe you weren't happy with that ending. I truly liked that ending. I thought it was invocative of uh, Army of Darkness's ending, so I was happy with that ending. And I'm I'm honestly okay with Bruce Campbell's Ash not being in it. My biggest issue is like, why no Sam, man? I want those. I want those close-up, tight angles with the weird cameras, movements, and everything. I, I want that level to it. Uh, you know, th- I'm that pretty being confident said, that they'll both be producers. Oh well, hundred percent, hundred percent. Bruce Campbell has been a producer on the Evil Dead series since uh, he remortgaged his parents' home to give Sam Raimi funding to finish the original one. He's been a producer on the Evil Dead series since <laughs> 1979, so <laughs> he will be a producer, and so will Sam Raimi. Uh, they're they're, they're kind of like co-producers in that way. But I, I'm I am intrigued by Lee Cronin taking over the director's chair. He it was the director of Hole in the Ground, which was a critically acclaimed horror film which came out last year and it stylistically that movie it's somewhat similar to evil dead definitely with some veins of evil dead in there um i i really liked the 
the remake, the 2013 remake that they did, or reboot or reimagining or whatever you want to call it that almost fit into the old universe, like it was a separate universe, but whatever. I, I still enjoyed that one. I would like to see that one kind of get like a proper sequel to it, or at least a little bit of a nod moving forward. Okay. Maybe maybe they will do this with this one, but there's, there's not a whole lot known at this time. This is literally an off-the-cuff statement by Bruce Campbell. And similar statements have been made in the past. So uh, time will tell whether this actually happens or not. But if it does, I'm intrigued. Why not, Dave? You know why? Because it's cheap. It's just like a la Bill and Ted, right? It's an old, beloved, classic film franchise that... You know, I I think film fans and people in general are just clamoring for something fun, something positive, something nostalgic. And the most amount of money they will spend on this movie is for fake blood. (laughs) That that, that is where that is where the majority of the budget is going to go for Evil Dead Four if it actually sees the light of day. Like I said, off the cuff, I'm sure I'm not entirely sure if this is going to happen. However, we are living in a time where it feels like everything we once loved is being revived again. So we will see. Next news story. All right, Jay, we're going to end on a whimper. Sort of. Conflicting reports from Sir Ridley Scott about what the next Alien movie could, would be uh, if he is to make it. First off, he spoke about there being a sequel to Alien Covenant. Obviously, that film series was not done by the time they ended the last one. It Mm -hmm. wasn't clear how we got from where they are at the end of that one to the version that we get in Alien. So Ridley Scott is very keen on getting back and telling that story. But in a conflicting report in an interview with the LA Times, he also said that he was interested in making another prequel. And in his words, not not really his words... (laughs) I want to do a prequel to the alien films that explores the xenomorph egg. That's going to be my next idea. How does that egg get fertilized, right? Does a xenomorph just come up and does he just pour on his wanker until uh, he spills black ooze all over it? I don't know. I'm still, I haven't even thought of it yet, but that's where I want to go with it. <sighs> Dude. <laughs> This guy, he he just has to go, man. He just has to, like, just do something different. Go sit yourself in one of your fucking lake houses and write something original. Start something Isn't it time for him to sit back and say, like, I'm going to take a producer role on any future Alien films? Yeah. And kind of take, like, almost like a coaching role Just like what you did with Blade Runner 2049. Exactly. Exactly. And let someone who is a fan of what I did in 1979 and maybe doesn't totally hate Covenant... (laughs) (laughs) or Prometheus come in and kind of tell the story that I want to tell, or at least work with them to tell that story. Like it's almost like he needs someone to, to curt his ego a little bit. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, I think we all know that. I mean, it's, it's conflicting reports. And these, these things were both reported five days apart. 
at that, uh, that he both wants to tell a story that is a prequel of the alien eggs, which I'm sorry, isn't that what Prometheus was? Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's who what knows, I, I mean, Maybe it's a sequel. That's what I thought. I, or at least Covenant got into the creation of the alien egg and stuff like that. So like, is that a story we need to really explore? I, I mean, or is, is he talking about the same movie, right? Is he talking about the sequel would be the creation of that egg, of that delivery method to to the host i mean it is possible that he's being misquoted or mis misrepresented in both of these interviews and he's essentially talking about the same thing where the sequel to covenant would be exploring the onset of the alien egg and how that winds up on uh on 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 the planet that we get in alien from 1979 it it, both things are possible you know i don't want to throw ridley scott under the bus and say you know He's 82 years old. He doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. He's shitting his depends every time he takes a ship. He takes a sip of scotch and puffs on his cigar. Uh, you know, he still seems like he's pretty sharp as tacks. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I'm just going to say, like, he's kind of being misquoted here. And uh, it is possible he's talking about the same movie in both of those interviews. I would think so. I, I think he's uh, – I don't think he has the clout anymore, dude. Honestly, I, I don't think a studio well, is going to give him. Disney's not banging down. Uh, Disney's not banging down his light. fucking door to make it right. They got all they got all their money tied up in no. fucking Star Wars and avatars, so <laughs> they don't got time. They, they don't got time for Ridley Scott's flights of and, fucking fancy. Yeah, or or they'll just be like, you know what? We'll give you an answer here. Take fifty million dollars, and you have to put it on our streaming service there. Then no, you can make your, I, your movie. You know, I like they could be a, they could be a prick, I couldn't see that. which he'll never do. He'll never do. That. I could see. I would honestly well, see I'm Disney just, I'm selling just throwing off that out there. Alien before doing that because I think selling off the Alien franchise at this point. I think Universal. That's Prime is a interesting studio. Oh, to are take they Jay? Over the well, rings. who's going to play I it? Think... Because both Regal and AMC said they won't play Universal movies. So. <laughs> Holy shit, I forgot about that. How are you going to see Baby Goose playing the Wolfman when AMC and Regal aren't going to be playing their movies? Well, uh, Jason's going to start driving he's, he's a lot more to cin- his movies. He's going to a Cinemark where you, where you won't have to wear a mask gotta, in the theater gotta look, according I, to Cinemark. So. Shit, I got to look up where the nearest Cinemark is. What the fuck? Do you know? No, I don't. Jesus, Not even close. I don't either. Maybe we'll go Holy to the drive. Maybe we'll go to the drive-thru to see them. Uh, but look, that's going to do it for our news this week. Me and Jay are going to be getting into our 15th anniversary discussion of Batman Begins, but bear with us because we've got a brief ad. All right, Jay, our sponsor this week has been our sponsor for the past couple weeks. It is Manscaped. You know what I hate, Jay? I hate booger bristles. If you don't know what booger bristles are, it's when you the worst. it's when you look in the mirror and you and you see those see those hairs hanging out of your nose. If you're Jay, you see a little bit of booger sugar hanging from those hairs too. And you <laughs> And no one wants to be I'm starting to get that shit from my ears too, man. <laughs> no no one wants to be doing I'm old. No one wants to be doing cocaine in the bathroom and come out and have a white stalactite hanging from their fucking nose. No. no. The way you take care of that is you check out That's so 2010. <laughs> you check out Manscaped's new product, the Weed Whacker, just like their lawnmower which has shaved my chest 
chest, my neck, and my back, and everywhere else on my body oh so well. Uh, this has anti-cut technology, just like the, the lawnmower does, but it gets into those hard-to-reach places like your nose and your ears, and just like the lawnmower, it is water-resistant. It can be used fresh after a shower, which is obviously the best time to, to take care of your body hair. Your skin's supple, your hair's raised from the hot water. It's just so easy to take off. It just melts. It's like butter! So Absolutely. If you would like to check out the award-winning Weed Whacker or Lawnmower products, as well as a slew of other products from Manscaped, whether... And guess what, Dave? This is the time of day where, you know, the summer warm months that, you know, they have a lot of ointments that can help your, your package stay fresh and uh, shave-free and dry and... You know, uh, spruced up with the the aroma. Absolutely, <laughs> you can pick up their. Rev- that goes a long way. You can pick up their Reviver Ball Toner, which is pretty much like a a spray that prevents your balls from spelling. You can get their cologne, the refined. You can get their cleanser, which is hair and body wash, or you can get their preserver, which is ball deodorant and. The ball deodorant does have anti-chafe technology. I actually just recently used my lawnmower, and then no lie, went out in 90 degree heat, mowed my lawn, but I used that ball deodorant, no chafe, and I had no red bumps. I had no razor burn at Much all. more comfortable. So yeah. much. So if you want to check out any of these products from Manscaped, head over to manscaped.com and use our promo code SMBSHAVE at checkout. You'll get 20% off as well as free shipping. This week marks the 15th anniversary of Batman Begins. And Jay, it's the 23rd anniversary of Batman and Robin. What killed the dinosaurs? So let's take a little trip back. Let's jump in our in our time machine. Yes, please. Let's go back to 1997 when Batman and Robin came out. You and I, little kids, knee high to a duck. We were probably, you know, we were kids, so we probably really liked Batman forever. <laughs> let's be honest. <laughs> let's be honest. Or at least had bit. some kind of fun with it, you know. Or at least had fun with it. Exactly. So we were excited for anything Batman. We go to the theaters, we see Batman and Robin, and I honestly as a child, I didn't love it. It wasn't it wasn't an instant classic for me like 89 Batman was or like Batman Returns was for you. Uh, but it, it it did stick with me and I remember enjoying Batman and Robin and I remember talking with my friends on the playground like what's next for Batman? Like what's coming down the pike? What's what's the fifth one? Right? Because at, at that age we didn't know that things ended. <laughs> right? Right? Of course not. Batman, we didn't know. Batman we were naive. Movies, Batman movies like every two to three years was all we knew. Yeah. It was all we knew growing up. So uh, it's it, it's what we expected. And uh, the road to Christopher Nolan's Batman Begins was kind of a long, arduous one. Because as we said, you know, from 1997 to 2005, there was no Batman films. But it was clear that at a certain point, they weren't going to be going back to the Burton verse, to Joel Schumacher 
but that doesn't mean that it was that clear to Warner Brothers from the onset. So let's run through these real quick. The first one, the first adaptation of Batman that was coming after Batman and Robin was Batman Unchained, also known as Batman Triumphant. The director would have been Joel Schumacher. And the main villain this time around, twofold again, it would have been Scarecrow, reported be being reportedly being played by Nicolas Cage. How to get burned? How to get burned? How to get burned? How to get burned? I don't know. And the other villain would have been Harley Quinn, who would have been played by either Courtney Love or Madonna. There were other names thrown out there, but these are the the three that come up the most. Uh, This would have seen Batman being locked in Arkham Asylum. And after being dosed by the Scarecrow's fear toxin, he would be confronting all of his previous rogues from the past films. And they all would have been played by their original actors Hmm. so that means tommy lee jones would be back jim carrey would be back danny devito michelle pfeiffer and most expensive of all jack nicholson would be back and warner brothers actually wound up cutting this completely because they thought that the cast alone the talent would have been too expensive to go with. And ultimately, this is where they started getting a little bit of cold feet with Joel Schumacher. But I do like this idea of Batman in Arkham because we'll talk about it coming up. Batman being locked in Arkham Asylum is what will eventually get Christian Bale interested in playing the role of Batman. So the next one on the list is Batman Dark Knight. Again, This would have been directed by Joel Schumacher. The villains would have been Scarecrow. No one was really named here as possibly playing Scarecrow. However, we can assume that possibly Nick Cage or someone in that vein was still up for the role. But the other villain, instead of Harley Quinn, would have been Dr. Langstrom, who was apparently supposedly to be played by Sir Terrence Stamp. Come to me, son of Jarrell. Kneel before Zod. If you don't know who Terrence Stamp is, he was General Zod in Superman. So the script was actually made available online, and the writers were Lee Shapiro and Stephen Weiss. You can go check this out online for yourself. They actually made this available not just like online, but like through actual publications you can get this on your amazon kindle and read it for yourself to find out what it was all about so the next one is the first time that warner brothers was like we're done with joel schumacher we had enough of nipples we had enough of neon we had enough of schlock can i persuade you to take a sandwich with you sir i'll get drive through we had enough of that we're going to go in a completely different direction so a film had just come out in 1999 called Remember the Titans. And that director, Boaz Yankin, was kind of on the top of everybody's list of of hot directors at this time. So they brought to him Batman Beyond. And Boaz Yankin was not completely unfamiliar with the comic book film as he had he was a writer on the screenplay for the 1989 Dolph Lundgren Punisher movie. So this obviously would have been based on the at the time hit television series Batman Beyond from creators Alan Burnett and Paul Dini who, and obviously um, 
Bruce Tim, mm-hmm. uh, they would have been the ones involved in the screenplay, and this would have followed the protege Terry McGinnis being trained to become Batman by the aging Bruce Wayne, whose body had given up long before the fight in his heart had. So he has to find a protege, Terry McGinnis, to take up the mantle of the bat. Jay, uh, you and I have actually discussed this series at length uh, way back when, when we did an episode where we postulated whether Warner Brothers could do a film in the Burtonverse that cuts out Batman Forever and Batman and Robin, and picks up years after Batman Returns. And we said it was possible to bring Keaton back as the old Batman training a new Terry McGinnis. Do you remember who we casted as Terry McGinnis back in that? Uh, I back in that don't recall. Miles Teller is yes. who we, is yes. who we cast yes. as that. Which I still think would be an interesting fit. It could, it could um, still happen. Especially man. if Keaton was the one being the mentor. What's great is that in the multiverse, since we had that idea, there is there there is a, an alternate version of Earth where you and I wrote and made that film for Warner Brothers, that Batman Beyond film in the Burton verse with Michael Keaton and Miles Teller, <laughs> somewhere out there. We were in, so in, excited in the right, with in that the idea. Infinite- in the infinite number of Earths that could exist in multiple dimensions, we made that movie, buddy. Don't worry. <laughs> We're a success somewhere. I have it in my here. mind, and I'm enjoying it every day. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, the next the next film that, that was that was greenlit and possibly would have come out is Batman Year One from director Darren Aronofsky. And this is a far departure from everything before where a lot of the other stuff would have been pretty comic book related and evocative of the of the comic books and even probably a little cheesy and schlocky like Joel Schumacher stuff this is where Warner Brothers first got the idea to take what they were go with take their back go the complete opposite and go in the absolute opposite direction so understand would have been this would have been based on the classics graphic novel by Frank Miller of the same name, Year One, and it would have been a complete reboot. Miller wrote the script, but changes were made by Aronofsky, uh, by, from Frank Miller and from Frank Miller's original script. And Frank Miller even said in a later interview that Aronofsky's changes to his Year One were far darker than anything Frank Miller would have ever conceived for himself of the character. Darren Aronofsky was pushing for a hard R rating, and it would have seen Batman as tra- as kind of like a Travis Bickle type character, a la uh, Taxi Driver, and Jim Gordon would have been a Serpico type character. And it, it the film would have essentially been Death Wish meets The French Connection. Mm. <laughs> So we got Darren Aronofsky, you know, at, at, at this time, he was just about to make Requiem for a Dream. So we got yeah, that style. I mean, that it, it was around that era, like there and like the fountain, maybe, maybe before the fountain. Now um, it would have been, th- this would have been early 2000s. So sure. So yeah. So I mean, even no, even before that, this would have been 99, 2000. So wow. yeah, right around Requiem for a Dream Time and stuff like that. So we, but the, obviously the problem was they're pushing for a hard R on it. And I don't know if Warner Brothers at this time. Well, not just was, that the movie landscape wasn't prepared for something like that either. No, no. Especially with like, what was coming down the pike you know we 
Marvel tried that, or New Line Cinema tried that with a Marvel property, Blade, where they went with a hard R, which was critically well-received, and it had a lot of cult following and a lot of positive buzz behind Blade. However, it didn't reach a mass market. But we'll get into Blade coming up later on in this, because a writer of Blade will eventually be one of the writers who gets Nolan into the director's chair to bring us Batman Begins. Uh, So the next one is Batman Year One again. Sans Aronofsky, he's gone. That hard R, Warner Brothers was not willing to take that jump, not willing to lose out on the potential profits, and they bring in the Wachowskis. Uh, Wachowskis were hot at this time. They just came off doing The Matrix, and this pretty much would have been very similar to Aronofsky and Miller's script. However, it would have been a much more toned down and true to comics version of year one. And when the Wachowskis interest lacked and they eventually walked away in favor of doing matrix sequels, Joss Whedon was brought in, but ultimately the project wound up dying. And then the final project before we get to Nolan was Batman versus Superman. In the early 2000s, Warner Brothers was ready to revive both Batman and Superman because previously Superman hadn't been seen on screen since 1987's Superman The Quest for Peace, which was done by Gollum and Globus over at Canon Films because they purchased the rights from uh, for Superman from Warner Warner Brothers before Canon Films went under and they made that one film that was truly terrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but anyway, this film was slated for a 2004 release and the creative talents that were talked about were Mick G, who was just coming off of the ever successful Charlie's Angels franchise, Ugh. Brett Ratner, who was just coming off of the six, the successful Rush Hour franchise, and J.J. Abrams, who was the showrunner Yay. on a completely fan-loved TV show <laughs> known as Alias. All these names were thrown around, but ultimately, the director's seat would fall under the ass of Wolfgang Peterson. And oh names that were thrown around for Batman and or the villains in it were Matt Damon, Jude Law, and Christian Bale. So we finally get Christian Bale uh, name dropped in here. So they were either going to be starring as Batman or Superman, mm-hmm. Lex Luthor or the Joker, because the story would have been an adaptation of various different Batman and Superman comics. And most importantly, yeah, the I vaguely re- Tim, I think Jude Law was supposed to play Lex Luthor. If, he was supposed if, to play Lex Luthor. If memory if serves me right. Yeah. And Matt Damon was supposedly up for Superman and Christian Bale was on a long list of people being looked at for Batman. But uh, this would have been based on basically the world's finest, which was a bridge between Superman, the animated series and Batman, the animated series which saw the joker and lex Luthor team up to take on batman and superman after batman and superman had their little tiff where they fought each other as well and this ultimately wound up getting scrapped in late 2002 early 2003 and then warner brothers at this point was fed up with green lighting this movie that movie getting into the pre-production on it, ultimately canceling it, having so many different creative voices speaking out that they were done. They were absolutely done. And a screenplay came in front of them from Jonathan Nolan and David S. Goyer and Mm -hmm. Christopher Nolan was at the helm to direct. So 
at this point, Warner Brothers was tired of of the back and forth and just decided that whoever they decided on was going to have free reign to do whatever they wanted with the Batman universe as long as it had a PG-13 rating. Okay. That's it. That's, that's how pretty cr- impressive. Th- that's how Nolan enters the Batman universe. Warner Brothers just says, carte blanche, we mm. want to read the script, but go nuts. Here's your well, budget. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously they'll give some tips, but they're not going to be hand-holding at all, you know, throughout the process, I think. Right, and, and it's a position that Warner Brothers Nolan probably- requires that, I think, going forward since that, that first initial meeting with Warner Brothers for that for trilogy, I think he's probably had complete- freedom over his properties ever since to be honest especially now, with warner brothers because he is married to warner warner brothers <laughs> he's yeah, done I mean, warner Ch- brothers i think Cha-ching. ever since then cha-ching every time he gets behind an imax camera uh, yeah uh, but they they wind up going going with him going with it with david s goyer and uh david s goyer who was a writer behind the the cult fan favorite blade series and Jonathan Nolan, the brother of Christopher Nolan, they wind up bringing Christopher Nolan in to direct. He's given carte blanche to do whatever he wants. So it would have t- so so ultimately the script took aspects from Denny O'Neill's Head of the Demon, which saw Batman being trained by the world's greatest assassin or leader of the League of Assassins, Rachel Ghoul, to take over the League of Assassins. That was written way back in 1971, but it also took Batman Year One, written by Frank Miller, kind of mashed them all together and then fit a bunch of other different Batman things, cherry-picked them here and there. But it put them together in such a way that comic book fans could look at it, and it's still recognizable as their Batman, the modern Batman that they've come to know Mm. since Frank Miller penned his Batman Year One and the Dark Knight Returns way back when. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, so uh, it's it's interesting that even though this Batman Begins is not comic book accurate at all, it held so many shades of reason from everything we know of Batman that as comic book fans, we watch it and we go, oh yeah, no, that all makes sense. Yeah, that all fits. And it comes from Nolan's aspect of this practical reality or i i guess this practical fantasy you could even call it sure. right because it's still outlandish that anyone would dress up as a bat and take to the skies or to the rooftops right. to beat up criminals in a city but he grounded it well, in just enough reality that right. you go like that's my batman yeah that works yeah and i and i understand it and i i i, I don't i don't love begins um, I really appreciate what he was doing with it and what he tried to do with it. Um, it definitely has a, a different a different kind of Hollywoodized feel and begins it than it does with uh, with the Dark Knight. And I think it also lacks polished action. True. That, that true. the other well, two. I think that, it's, well, it's his first foray in in action, I believe, at that absolutely. time. A lot of quick cuts, a lot of close ups, oh, a yeah, lot that of was not horrible. knowing the fight what's sequences going on. Were, were disastrous. A lot of that, but it's it, it still at its heart was what we as comic book fans expected from from Batman. So there was a lot of 
confusion when this was coming out, right? Because it's called Batman Begins. Mm-hmm. So a lot of us who, who are fans went into this. Obviously, the internet existed. So the people who were in the know knew that this was a complete reboot of everything. But for some people, they were left wondering whether this is a prequel to 89 Batman. Yeah. Like, is this supposed to be what leads us to Michael Keaton? Going into it. But I remember going into it with my friend Kenny. And we went and saw it the opening night that it came out. And we were just like, can't be any worse, right? It can't get any worse than than nipples and glow rods and poor puns from, right. from Arnold. Sure, sure. But it can't get any worse than that. And I remember coming out of it and still being a little like gobsmacked where he's like, what'd you think? And I was like, I, I don't know. I expected more, but I feel like we got what we needed, right? Right. You can't always get what you want, but you find sometimes you get what you need. <laughs> and it just, it, it just I, wound I, up being I what we you. needed. I feel you. And, I, and it started the course of direction that was 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 what we needed, I think, in superheroes and, and the angle and direction and, and different uh, spice and variety that we can go into with these kind of characters and these worlds. And with the filmmakers, too, you know? And you know what got Christian Bale interested in playing the character so much that he went to Warner Brothers or he had his agent go to Warner Brothers and throw his name in the hat back back for uh, Batman versus Superman? One of his friends gave him the Grant Morrison graphic novel Arkham Asylum back in 2000, and he read it. And Christian Bale is not a comic book guy. He actually kind of laments them. He's not a big fan of them. But he read that one, and that one is such a psychological thriller about Batman going into Arkham Asylum to face all of his old rogues. And he kind of goes a little insane along the way. And the whole point of that graphic novel is that the Joker and the rest of the inmates want to show him that he belongs there right next to them because he is just as insane as they are. And that blew Christian Bale away. And obviously, given what we saw for what they were playing with here early on, like uh, one of the ones I skipped was The Dark Knight Returns, which was also back when um, Joel oh, Schumacher yeah. was involved. That um, is one they, of my favorite ideas, actually, yeah. to be honest. I was I was wanting to throw that out there as well. It's an yeah. adaption, adaptation of the uh, classic 1986 Frank Miller story. Uh, yeah. The same name, and I've, obviously the rumors were that Batman was going to be played by an older Clint Eastwood, and Clint Joker Eastwood. played by David Bowie. And how fucking awesome is that matchup right there? I mean, that sounds really interesting. Yeah, if you look at the Joker in that graphic novel, David Bowie would have been perfect for it, but it's it's that type of stuff that got Christian Bale interested in getting in getting sitting down and 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 giving a, a crack at this because he he saw that it was a complicated character that he could really sink his teeth into a little did he know that he would i mean we all know the story he was under 110 pounds uh, <laughs> uh filming the machinist and he would have little more than six months to bulk up to 235 in all muscle <laughs> to play Batman. i wonder if they had a backup actor i don't know but he was apparently so bulky when he showed up to I set, know, it's crazy. that he did not fit into the suit that they had made. Uh, Christian Bale also auditioned in Val Kilmer's Batman Forever suit. Christopher Nolan made everyone audition in that suit because it's the only suit that Warner Brothers had on hand right. at the time. I think they and still use it to this day. Yeah, I'm yeah. not. I'm, uh, I'm not Pattinson positive that Pattinson. Yeah, I think Pattinson and uh, Nicholas Holt were the last two 
contenders for for Batman, and I believe they all did screen tests in that suit. So uh, he actually was too bulky when he showed up to set to play Batman, and they had this new suit for him, and they were like, you got to bulk down. And he's like, sorry, what? <laughs> they're like, yeah, I don't know. Just like leafy greens and stop working out. <laughs> Shit all that muscle out. Well, we obviously knows how to lose weight, so it shouldn't have taken yeah, too long. 100%. Uh, he, he gets himself he gets himself into the right shape, gets into the suit. Mm-hmm. The suit sucks. It uh, does. He, he hated the suit so much so that they had to write it into the sequel about why the suit changed and everything like that. But, I mean, ultimately, this, while it isn't the Batman we all knew we wanted, it is the Batman we we deserved and needed, which is it's funny that that winds up becoming like a kind of like a theme of this trilogy because Batman's not the hero Gotham deserves, but it's the one it needs right now. And I think like Batman Begins was not the sequel we deserved, but it was the one we needed mm-hmm. right then. You right. Know, it, it, and and it, it just it just worked so so perfectly. Obviously, they they kept aspects of those other movies that we discussed in the fact that there was a scarecrow was basically the main villain, other than Rachel Ghoul, which was talked about in in several of the other scripts. Year One was kind of kept in in there as well. So I mean, it does take through lines even the ending is year one that's kind of how the year one graphic novel ends is gordon kind of giving him the joker card and stuff like that right. so it it does take aspects of these other scripts but it, it very much makes it unique very grounded very very realistic and i remember when this ended i was not sure whether we were going to get a sequel i was completely like i don't even know how anyone else is going to feel about this i knew i liked it but yeah, i wasn't I, sure whether i, I, I loved I, it i definitely I, I did not love it and i still don't love it um, I, I like it. I respect it. I don't love it. I really only love uh, Dark Knight. That's it. I mean, I, I and, 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 you know, it's uh, to me, that's the only one that works fully and tonally and, and character wise. And I think thematically, I think it just it's just it, it, it's working. I mean, it's humming and it, it, he yeah. nails it. He nails it. But I think 100%. the first movie was a little bit of more of the trial thing, and they worked out the kinks for the second one, and the third one, too bloated. I am a defender of The Dark Knight Rises. I, I always will be. Uh, there's aspects of it there's I don't like. There's plenty of you out there. <laughs> my my Batman doesn't quit for eight years. I'm sorry. He just doesn't. I mean, that's just that's just, that's just just my thing. But I still enjoyed, I still enjoyed the story we got. I, I really liked Nolan's way of blending multiple comic book storylines seamlessly together, or at least the way the writers, Jonathan Nolan and David S. Goyer and Christopher Nolan himself, the way they blended so many comic book storylines together in, in almost seamless fashion to turn them into like one story where it's almost like it's, it's little nods to us as comic book fans that it's like, yeah, we read the source material. We don't think that's as an interesting story as what we're telling, you know, where like dark Knight rises is a mixture of, of nightfall and no man's land and the dark knight is a mixture of the killing joke and also the long halloween and batman begins as i've said before is is kind of like this year one story mixed with rachel ghoul storyline and stuff it's it, it was so seamless it, 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 it that, that it worked and the writing was so well done that you forgive a lot in what the story lacks because it had so much in character that even a simplistic story or even e- even even plot holes 
are overlooked mm-hmm. because the characters are so well drawn out, especially and grounded. Alfred. Yeah, uh, yeah, of course, absolutely. Alfred is so well done throughout all these movies. I absolutely love Michael Caine as Alfred, and he almost didn't take the role because he did not want to be a butler. He did not want to, you know, he saw the original Batman films and he did not want to be like, tea is served, sir. He didn't want to do that. Uh, It wasn't until he read the script, which Nolan sat with him while he read it and then took the script from him uh, afterwards because he is a notorious blabbermouth and Nolan is notorious about keeping his stories under wraps that he decided to get it. And it's been a running joke joke between Michael Caine and Christopher Nolan for years that Christopher Nolan even I believe it was Christmas or Michael Caine's birthday Christopher Nolan sent him a gong that said dinner is served (laughs) 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 it was a dinner gong that to bang that says dinner is served it was uh, so there's a playful nature there that I that I really like and there's obviously a a great relationship between Caine and Nolan uh, since he's appeared in just about every single one of his movies, uh, and he's even in Tenet, I believe. So, yeah, it's a legacy that every single comic book movie has attempted to live up to, right? Like, uh, I don't want to say Marvel saw this and immediately went to emulate it because I don't think they they emulated it, but they definitely saw it going in a different direction inspired them to go in a different direction. Everyone wanted to go darker, wanted to go grittier, wanted to go serious as a result of the Nolan films. And it dominated Warner Brothers for so long doing that, that we wound up with Man of Steel, which I still enjoy, uh, but I do think that it lacks that symbol of hope. Even though they mentioned that the symbol uh, is is meant for hope, I don't feel hopeful watching that movie. You know, I don't feel inspired. I yeah. don't feel like I'm watching the greatest hero. And and by it's the time perfect, we get, to, but I, I do need to revisit that movie. To be honest, I think it's worth it's good. It. It's good. It's worth it. Uh, but th- then we get Batfleck, and he's so dark and he's so serious that it almost caused a backlash where everyone's just like, that's. It's too much. I he's think, too angry. I think it's <laughs> he's too serious. <laughs> see, I think it's the Zack Snyderism. I think that's the problem. It could be that. Or I think it's it, a little bit of that. It could be the fact that we went through some dark times and maybe we're just ready to go back to maybe not as schlocky as Schumacher, but something of that ilk. Well, we're not. Something the Batman so, is going back. Uh, moody detective type and I think but they've also talked about how it is not Nolan's universe it is a comic book universe it is going to feel different than that there is going to be some lightheartedness to it um, not maybe not a lot. Sure, but I think it's going to be more dialogue wise, more script wise. That's fine. Um, Nolan was was so bloated with his production design and set pieces and things like that, where that took such precedence within the films. You know, it doesn't have to be a two and a half hour film. You know, it, no. it, You know, especially if it's a detective movie with with action movie stuff elements in it, in it mixed up. I mean, just like. 210 tops tops should, so, should ever be a batman movie is this the did batman begins start the greatest superhero trilogy of all time was this the best that we have gotten so far of comic book films dark trilogy? knight included yeah trilogy like like dark knight included in that as well like is this is this the best is this still the high water mark has there been better of superhero trilogies or of just superhero movies like has there mm. has anything come close to this 
since then. Is it still the top? I guess so. I think it is. I mean, look, I love the MCU. I loved Endgame. I love that culmination. But at the same time, you're not going to get everybody to follow the MCU for as long as it, what as if, it goes. What if, you, what, if, what if it's the Avengers, Ultron, uh, Civil then, then War, no. and Endgame? Then no. That's four. Uh, no, Civil War's like, Civil War's Captain America. Or, three, or, so. um, yeah, but, yeah, but hand somebody Avengers without without the, the backstory of who all them are, and then they have to watch Age of Ultron, and then Infinity War, and then Endgame, but you don't get any other solo stories. Do you think that that means anything to anybody if they never saw anything else but those four movies? It doesn't. You mm. need, you need all the all the other stories. It is it is truly a movie universe where this was standalone. This was all Batman, all killer, no filler. Sure. And as far as like superhero portrayals go, I still think this Batman Begins started the high water mark for it. And I still think that studios chase this. And we've even seen it now where Warner Brothers is almost fed up with how their superhero movies have been received that they said, fuck it. And they told Todd Phillips, do whatever the fuck you want with Joker. Go nuts. That is one of the most shocking movies, I think, to ever come about. Because when we first announced it, I still to this day could not wrap my head around it. I was like, Todd fucking Phillips. Right. The guy who did the big short, right? We're talking about the same guy? Doing a <laughs> moody drama about the Joker, a one-off with Joaquin right, Phoenix. But, I was like, huh. But think about where Warner Brothers was when they were making Batman Begins. Oh, I get it, man. I understand. I they understand. were fed up with 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 their studio process and, and what they were doing of greenlighting projects and canceling them and, and having things come out that were, that were not being critically well-received. And they said, fuck it. Let's let the creator go nuts with it. Mm-hmm. And it wound up being a huge hit for them. And if, if you if you really think about it, in the timeline, 97 to, to 2005, that is eight years you know, you go from you go from 2012 when this ended to 29 well 2019 almost when uh, when Joker comes out. It's it's about seven eight years. It's a cycle. It's it's yeah. it, it. They just get to the point where they're done trying to to helm their ship, and they're gonna let someone else be co captain for a while while they go take naps and they rake in the money. <laughs> um, but I still think that like look at what Nolan did with Batman. They go, it's still the high watermark. It's still it's still what we want from that character. I don't know if we want the whole movie to feel that way, but that's how we want that character to be portrayed. Yeah. I see what you're saying. I do. I think I still think there's a better Batman and Bruce Wayne out there in the future. I don't, I don't know if Pattinson's it. We'll I'll just have to wait and see, man. Coming in 2021. So that's going to do it for Super Movie Brothers this week. Look, there's a ton to talk about and unpack with Batman Begins. But I thought it was just interesting to talk about the the nature of how they got there more so than Batman Begins itself. Because I think the far more interesting stories were in the making of The Dark Knight, which we, mm-hmm. which we covered pretty well in our um, movie cocktail for The Dark Knight about two years ago but it, it's it's just interesting to see where they were then and where they are now and making the comparison and just realizing that it's 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 a very similar situation for Warner Brothers if you have anything to add to our discussion about Batman Begins or anything else that we discussed this week you can reach out to us on social media 
I am on Twitter at SuperMoviePod. You can reach me at Facebook, Super Movie Bros Podcast, Instagram, Super Movie Bros, and on Twitter, J underscore SMB. And if you're enjoying the show, you can head over to patreon.com slash supermoviebrospodcast. And for just $1 a month, you can get all the additional content that we produce over there. It's just $1 and you'll get every single episode that we have put out for our Patreon listeners. If this is more than the first time you've watched it, if this is your second, third, fourth time listening to it, please consider leaving us a iTunes review. Just like Phoenix Foundation Podcast did, they said, friendly and knowledgeable. There are few things more listenable than genuine friends discussing the movies they all know and love. Thank you very much, Phoenix Foundation Podcast. Uh, you could be just like them. Leave us a review on iTunes and we will read it on the show. I want to thank everybody for listening. Have a great one. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.